mi abajo, San mi amor cuatro costados, San mi amanda mi negrita, con la bandera de paz, San mi arriba, San mi abajo, San mi amor cuatro costados, San mi amanda mi negrita, con la bandera de paz, María de la Luz, saluda a su María de la Luz, saluda a su Saluda a su María de la Luz. Saluda a su María de la Luz. Yo llamo a Chango. Llamo a Yemaya. Llamo a Papá Yo llamo a Tucana. Que baje a la tierra. Good afternoon and good evening, and welcome to another edition of The Divination Table. I'm your host, Michael Lennon, and tonight's guest, Ifa Abeo, is a spiritualist who has been helping people for many years. Allow her to help you with love, money, spells, spiritual cleansings, jobs, court cases, luck, and happiness. Because on this journey of life, you get to travel with folks who all have had amazing stories to share. What's your story? Loving the lessons and blessings that have to help me on my journey of life. Many folks don't know that she's a really laid-back person who just loves to laugh and enjoy life, and we should all just learn to dance in the rain. Let me reach out to our wonderful and beautiful guest, Ifa Bayo. Good afternoon, Hello. good evening, and how are you, Hello. beautiful? Can you hear me? How are you, beautiful? Yes, can you hear me? I can. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, I am. Oh, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, I have been waiting to have you on. <laughs> you are amazing. You know, I watch all of your, well, I can't say all of your conversations, but I watch a lot of your conversations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Some of them are, are very special to me. <laughs> I know. You know, and one of the things I love about you is that 
everything you do is from your heart. You know, you have this tremendous love for the traditions that you follow, for the religion, for all the spiritual work that you do. You know, I see how it touches you. And it also touches me, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My mother said you should never brag about it. You should always show it in your walk. So and you. and you know and I and that's what one, one of the things I love is you know you do show it with your walk you know it's not just the words you do you walk the walk and you let your actions speak for you I do try I do try <laughs> now you're a spiritualist but you're also yes. initiated too into other traditions correct that that is correct that is correct uh, uh, I had to get scratched. So I had to get scratched in Palo. So Malikum Nasala to all of y'all good people. Um, and I got initiated in Lukumi. That is correct. My mother and I are from New Orleans, so they are spiritualists along the line. I love it when uh, Kendall and them say, don't be saying you got it from your great-grandmama. And like, but I did. <laughs> Someplace way back. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. I, I get a kick out of it. But yes, that is that is correct. You know, and you run Love Supplies Botanica. Yes, for two years. Two years. They told me when I received E5, when I received uh, women received Kofi. So they told me I would have my own store. And I said, with what? <laughs> I was like, with what? You know, uh, all day, every day. And he said, no, someone's going to bless you with uh, opening a store for you. I was like, okay, all righty. And it happened. It happened just as he said it. Just as, just as the dude came down, just as it was written, it happened. I, I got the tingles. <laughs> yeah, I, I wound up with... Um, with love supplies and we sat down and we was you know going over names for the store and i said but i always tell people i love them and my friend he said well, what does love mean to you i said lots of vital energy he said well that's your name and that's how it became i love that story because you know <laughs> There's so much love that needs to be spread around, you know, especially in the spiritual community, um, you know, not even just spiritual community, in life in general. You know, we all need more love. We all need to share more love. And just the telling somebody you love them, you know, has a tremendous impact, you know, on people's everyday lives. That's true. Because especially in spiritual work, I mean, you know, you get people that come to you and they have issues, they have problems, they need cleansings, they need work done. And some of these people have never actually had that from a genuine standpoint. Listen, one one guy came and he comes every other day and he doesn't want anything. He'll, he'll put, I have a pumpkin in my shop and... He will put money on the pumpkin, and he'll stand there, breathe in, and walk away. So, at first, I thought he was crazy. No, for real. I really did. I know. I know. <laughs> so, then, one day, I just stopped him, and I said, listen, you know, why, why do you do that? 
he said, first of all, every time I come, I do. I tell him, you know, he'll say, how you doing? I, I always reply, I am necessary just like you. And he goes, oh, thank you. And I said, and I love you. And he says, I have to come and get that so I can be energized to deal with what I'm doing out in the street. I didn't want to ask him what he was doing out in the street because, you know, my, my mama say never ask a question you know the answer to. So I don't right. do that. Um, and But then he said, well, how do you know if I'm necessary? I said, because we are needed and you are supposed to be here. So when he hears that, he comes by every other day and just gets that energy and I'll be cracking up. <laughs> but he does that. So I said, oh, OK. But you'd be surprised. Like you said, a lot of people don't hear it. Or if they do hear it, they don't hear it enough. Exactly. You know, I made a post the other day, you know, because there's not a lot going on in my area that I've seen spiritually in the last couple of years since I was, you know, in hiding. <laughs> since, I, since I disappeared for a little while. Um, but, you know, I came out of work the other day, and this young African-American boy, you know, probably early 20s, you know, was on the steps waiting for his bus to go to work. Mm-hmm. And he saw me coming out the door and he hurried up and he's grabbing all his stuff. And he goes, oh, let me get out of your way. He goes, you're more important than I am. And I had to stop right. and I put my stuff down. I said, no, I said, I'm not more important than you. Mm-hmm. Said, you know, we're on a level playing field. I said, you're just going to work. I'm just getting out of work. I said, we all work a hard day. Mm hmm. Don't ever be in a hurry for me as you feel that you are not important because you are. And it, it just hit me at that moment, you know, that there's not enough love, you know, that goes around. There's not enough people showing young generation that they matter. Listen. Listen. Today, I had to write about it, right? So I love y'all. So I'm going to share this story with y'all because writing it doesn't take away from hearing it. So right. I'm getting on the train and I want to get here early. So this way I can be like, okay, I can relax and, you know, do the show. So this young brother was standing there and he was hustling, right? So I see these beads and I was like, hey, player, I like that jewelry you got on. He said, yeah, you know what they are? I said, huh? He said, yeah, these are Legwa beads. What? <laughs> and we was talking, and you know, I wanted to take a picture of all of them and put them on video, and they were like, nah, man, we got, we got warrants. And I started laughing. But the youth that are out here today know more than what we can ever bargain for. But when we see them, and God bless you, and Alofi bless you, of even acknowledging and talking to him and letting him know that because the youth that's out here today, especially in Queens, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx has their share, but all the other boroughs, even Staten Island, they wear these beads. Now you have some people that will go off and be like, oh, the Orisha being disrespected. We all find the Orisha in our own way. Yamaya, Alegua, Oshun, all of them show up in people's lives just when they need to. These young brothers have on a legwa beads. They know who he is. They say, oh, no, he's the road opener. And I'm like, oh, wow. Let me clench my pearls. Like, hold on, stop. And I said, well, after we talked, and they were all out there, I said, listen, can you just do me a favor? You know what I'm saying? Because don't disrespect who beads. I don't care who gave them to you. You could have went and brought them yourself. Doesn't matter. 
He said, nah, 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 they're good. I said, oh, okay. So I, I know someone gave y'all those. Okay, because they had to educate y'all. But do me a favor. Don't smoke and drink with him. He said, say no more, ma. We'll do that. I was so grateful to see even a young brother before had Yemaya bees on. He said, nah, we need protection out here from the mother. Hold on. So not everyone is a YouTube scholar. Not everyone is a Google scholar. Right. Some of these young kids out here are really reading, taking the time, asking questions, because they are looking. So we are spiritualists and elders and people that walk in this religion. We have a job that we have to be responsible for. Upright, walk right, talk right. Because they don't look at what you say. They look at how you act. I always tell people, in the court system, justice is blind. But out in the street, she got eyes and she see everything. And so do I young. They are looking, watching, and seeing how you carry yourself, how you walk, what you talk. Do you say what you mean and mean what you say? Exactly. That was so, that was so beautiful. I, I was just so amazed. I was like, oh, wow. And then all today I've been seeing twins. So the Funa, Maguas, the Abijis, all today I've been seeing twins. I was like, hold on. It's going to be a great day. It is going to be a great day. It's been a great week. It's been a great week. You know, the, the the following day, I come out, and, you know, and here's another group, all fine, hardworking, you know, young, you know, African-American, and they're all waiting for their bus. They're all waiting to go to their job. And this other guy that I haven't seen before, because, you know, it's always the same, you know, they're always the same group of guys. They're all going, waiting for the ride. Turned around and looked at me, did a double take. And said, you know, Ashe, you know, and came over yeah. and shook my hand, you know, gave me blessings. We sat and we talked. I was on my way home. I was exhausted. But you know what? I put my stuff down and we stood there yeah. and we talked for like an hour. And we talked about, you know, Santeria and the Orisha and, you know, all the things that are going on in the area that we live in up here. Mm-hmm. You know, but see, they watch when someone dies around the youth they get together they light candles they say prayers they sing whenever you go to a memorial or whatever wherever they die they give respect to the dead they'll let you know yo don't walk around there yo watch out walk around the corner or don't go that way they really are doing it and all they need is guidance from us just a little bit not that micromanage yo you got to do this you got to do that no no just to really show them well, you know, and give them a reason why. Because now this is the age of why, what you doing, why we doing this. Because they question everything, which is great. Because I always tell them, if they can't answer, Good. run or beat them up. <laughs> beat them up and run. For real. I'd say run first, beat them up later. <laughs> they don't go to churches. First of all, I have a friend. His name is Slim, right? Slim is in Atlanta, and I love him so much. This young brother has done so much, right? So what they did for Easter was they collected all the games from down south. You got the MS-13s, you got the Crips, the Bloods, the outside the line or over the line, so many. So all of them came together, and they collected Easter baskets. And they went to the church to give it to them. You know the church turned them away? They went to the Salvation Army. They turned them away because they were gang members. So what they did is everywhere there was kids, they started handing out Easter baskets, beautiful ones too. And they took pictures of the Easter baskets, not them handing it out. So our youth and our young and our young men and women, they already know we got to help each other. Exactly. It ain't just about us. 
So it is beautiful on what they are doing out here. And I say we as people, if they're out there in the, in the, they call it the trenches, out there in the hood, out there, even if they're sitting on the bus, have a kind word. Give them some kind of upliftment. Let them know that they matter. And they do matter. And you they, know. they're our tomorrow. They are our yesterdays, tomorrows, our new days. They are going to finish where we left off the same way as the ancestors stopped to give us the roadmap and the candle for us to go and do what we got to do. Right on. our responsibility. When you step in that ring of spirituality, you picking up that map and, can- that map and candle to say, listen, I'm going to take off where you left off. It's a relay race. Come on, let's get running. Let's hold hands and go together. Uh, and and the sad thing is, you know, and I felt blessed, you know, that day because I see these guys every day and I hardly ever see people walk by and stop and talk to them. You know, I pay attention. You know, I look and I see what's going on and I see people just drop their head or look away as they walk past these fine young guys and they're all going to work they're all doing the same thing we're doing on a daily basis you know they're trying to get by they're trying to take care of their family feed their kids you know have that place to live and walk by like they're not there and I don't get it you know I don't see how you cannot you know walk up and say hey how are you doing? You know, what's going on? You know, even a head nod, even a head nod. Like, okay, that, that works well. I had probably 12 people after him that same day. They all just, it was like they were doing a conga line coming up, introducing themselves, <laughs> saying hi, you know, shaking my hand, you know, giving the brother love. And, there you, go. you know, and we were just sitting there chatting and the look on their face, you know, said it all. It was just like, because somebody took time to tell us, like, look, you make a difference. You matter. That's right. You know? That's why I tell everybody you are necessary, just like me. And the elder taught me that. Because I used to run around saying, amazing. When people are like, how you doing? I'm amazing, just like you. So this elder that's been crowned on Gokabu Sile for about uh, 40-something years said, no, don't trap me. I was like, what? He said, don't trap me. Amaze is amazing. I said, okay, I ain't mean that. He said, tell people that they are necessary. I said, why? He said, because everybody needs to know they're needed. I said, oh, okay. So I took that and started running with it. And that's a beautiful thing. And I might have to do that myself. I'm going to steal it from you. But I'll give you props. I'll give you props. (laughs) I always remember him. I always remember him. I was in Atlanta at a drumming. And he was there, and he drummed, and it was so beautiful. So I always remember that story. And when people ask me, well, why do you say it? Because the elder told me to say it. And I always give him props. Always, 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 always. But, yeah, he was crowned Sean Goke. I would see, like, oh, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, yeah. So I do. I, I do pass things on because people need to know they are needed. They do. You know, especially the young. You know, as spiritual people... You know, mm-hmm. and not even as spiritual people, you know, just people that are just good hearted, you know, God loving, whatever God you believe in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, need to show people the right lessons in life. You know, Thank you. to not put people down, to not, you know, use whatever book or anything else for your prejudices or your racism or wow. any other of your hatred.
you know, to find justification. You know, God's ultimate message is to love people, love one another. You know, treat us the same way that you treat yourself. That's why I love a ruler. That, that, when I found out who he was, and a young woman, her name is Ifa Siwe, really explained it to me. And it was really great. And then my godfather, my padrino and them, they even took it further. A ruler turns no one away. When you sit at that mat and you came for some help, he turns no one away. That is beautiful. So why can't we be like that? If they are here to help and we can. Now, if we can't help them, don't hurt them. Send them somewhere where they can't get help. I'm a strong believer of that. If I can't help you, I'll send you somewhere where you can. And you know I am as well. <laughs> you know, some people are good at certain things. You know, like, I can't work with people that have been in battered relationships, you know, or domestic violence, you know. I have to send them to somebody that, you know, is skilled in those areas and is a little bit more sensitive, you know. And a lot of times, you know, they are women, and having a male influence doesn't really work for them most of the time. So, you know, you find people that help them that are in areas that can provide them with the necessary assistance that they need and somebody that can empower them. Listen, I don't have a problem with sending people to somewhere else or saying, hey, such and such, you know, um, sometimes I forget to email the person and say, hey, this person wants to talk to you. But that person usually email me, hey, you know this person? Yeah, 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 I forgot my bag. You know, because I, I get my blind moment. So, you know, work with me here. Um, but because um, I, I, I know I can't save the world. I love what Chris Rock said. Chris Rock said, lifting a couch is heavy, but it becomes lighter when you lift it with others. So I can't always do it by myself. That's why we're all in this together. And it's always room at the table. So we can all sit, eat, help, heal, do all of that. I'm a strong believer for that. I get a lot of slack, but it's okay. I don't care. I, I, you know, I love y'all, so I always have to talk the way I was raised. So my mom and them always tell me what people eat don't make me shit. So they can have their way of doing things. I got mine. I, I'm Listen, I'm country dumb, southern bred. I come up here. I love New York. I love Atlanta. I love New Orleans. And some, it, my God sister said, you know, when you're on the phone with your family, you sound so southern. I don't hear it no more. I haven't heard it in a long time. You know, I think I sound up north. (laughs) We rub off on you. (laughs) But I enjoy it. I enjoy just talking to people and just helping them. But, you know, sometimes they call me country dumb, but that's okay. I'm good with that. You can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's the only thing I say. It works for me. <laughs> you have a you are a beautiful soul, and I just absolutely love you. And I love chatting with you when I see you online, and we get into our little conversations. You know, what? <laughs> blame, blame my parents. Blame my parents. I tell them. I tell them. No, no, no. Thank your parents. Yes, and I just a lady. She um. I always call people ma'am and sir or mister, right? And she said, don't call me ma'am. I said, listen, if you want a problem with that, go down there to New Orleans, 504 and Amen, Louisiana, dig them up and tell them 
for me not to call you that because I don't want them whooping my ass. <laughs> Why you ain't say that? So let them get you. <laughs> okay. okay, call me, ma'am. I said I was anyway. My children do it, and they're all grown. My son is 34, my daughter's 32, my other daughter's 29, the other one is 28. They still say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, or Mr. and Mrs. They still say it. My grandkids say it. I got nine, by the way, and I just sit back and say, wow. Uh, but they say it. They say it. And we, I was talking to a sister today because she wanted to know about conjure, and somebody told her, she got to pay all this money to get... I said, ain't no initiation in root work and conjure. She said, oh, no. I said, not that I heard of. Now, if you want to call my auntie, she might lose her mind and laugh. But um, you can give an offering to the person that's teaching you. Now, yeah, I'm, I'm a great believer of that. And it may be some people saying, no, 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 it's not like that. Listen, I'm going to listen to the to my 80-year-old aunt with blonde hair and blue eyes, and she got that blue ring around there. Before I listen to anybody else, because she has lived it, I didn't. I'm learning. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, well, you know, Candelo says it all the time. You know, fuckery, <laughs> especially when it comes to initiations. You know, and there are things that you don't need initiations in. You don't need them to work with your own ancestors. You don't need them for root work. You know, no initiation. Now, a going going is different. Yes. But to get initiated in ancestor worship. I know you lying. I'm saying that. I said, uh-uh, baby. Stop, stay out of all those groups. And if you do, go there and learn and don't say nothing. Just watch or read or, or go and research. Ask people, you know. But don't sit there and pay three, 4000 to get initiated in ancestor worship. I'm going to get initiated to talk to my own mama and them. I know you lying. I know you lying. I said, ain't no way in hell. Ain't no way. I know you lying. But people do it. You know, uh, Charles Porterfield in the group was sitting there saying, you know, my mama taught us that it doesn't matter what they call you. What matters is what you answer to. What you answer to. That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. That's twin. That's twin. I call him twin. I was at the New York Gala, right? And I'm sitting next to him. And we have, they were talking about uh, cursing. Uh, Auntie was, was doing her, her thing. And they was talking about... Uh, you know, what would you do to curse somebody? So me and him were sitting there saying, just kill him. <laughs> he was sitting there, I turned, I said, twin? Oh my God, I love him. That's my twin right there. That's my twin. I love him. He is all out. I said, ooh, he my twin. <laughs> now you're also a diviner too, right? Hmm? I said, you're also a diviner as well, right? Yes, that is true. Uh, and Okay, so... This is my story. I can't tell nobody else's story but my own. That's all right. That's what you're here for. My brother said when I was young, right, my brother, he's the oldest. We call him Rob. In the South, if you're born with a veil over your face, you are considered a seal automatically by birth. And a veil means that extra skin over your face. My brother was born with that, right? I wasn't. My brother was born with that veil. Now, to go back, my mother's the oldest out of 21 children. She passed away, Ibae, God bless the dead. So my aunts and all of them are 11. It was 11 girls and 10 boys, right? My, my grandfather had two wives, so don't judge us. <laughs> he, had, he has two cemeteries, and he is, my grandmother's on one side, 
he's in the middle. And with his other wife, my other grandmother, she's still alive. When she dies, she'll be buried. He's in between both his wives because that's how much he loved them. So I can't make these stories up. I, I'm not that bright. So my brother and them said, my mom and them when she was alive. So my brother was born with a veil. My sister was born almost breech, you know, because it's five of them. My mother had five children. <laughs> when I was born, she said she was laying on the bed, her and my father. I can't make these stories up. We're sitting there smoking a the joint. Yeah, I'm telling on them. I'm telling their business. <laughs> and she said, I walked through. She was pregnant. She said she was nine months pregnant. She said, I walked through the door and I clammed on her belly and I disappeared. I can't make that. So when she told me, I said, what would y'all smoking? Because I would love to smoke that. <laughs> like, that's some stuff that only me and God and everybody, I would sell that. But so I had a white dress and I had my hair done. Right. And I was one years old. My father, when I was born, my father brought the same dress and took a picture. I never saw the picture until my my pops passed away. God bless the dead, which is four years. It'll be four years. And my cousin came and said, I was told to give these to you. And it was pictures of me. And he said, that's the picture that Bill, Uncle Billy, said he saw you in a vision. I said, both of y'all had the same vision? He said, yeah. So my brother said, you would tell people things. And my mother would always, she didn't care because they was in root work, conjure, voodoo, all of that, but in New Orleans. And I was like, get out of here. So the first time I ever had a vision, we were in New Orleans. Uh, and it was over 19 years ago. My, my aunt told my mother, I can't wait to come. They call my mother Bobby. So she said, I can't wait to come up there and see you, Bobby. And I turned and I looked at her and said, the day you come up to New York will be to see your sister in a casket. I saw my mother laying there. I knew what color the casket was and everything. It bugged me out. They all went into the kitchen and my grandmother Merle's kitchen and they were sitting there talking. So I was standing there and they said, get out. And they said, what are we going to do with her? And they was all sitting there, the sisters and all of them. And my mother came out and she said, you're going to have a rough life, but I won't be there to witness it. And my mother didn't. She passed away. So, yeah. So I've always been visions, but I never paid attention to them. So I smoked a lot of weed. I thought I was crazy as cat shit. Um, I did. And I, um, I just, I, I didn't know what to do or, or how to deal with it until I started getting older and meeting people that played like my mother and would explain it to me. So, yes, yes. I hope that answers that. <laughs> so, what's your preferred method of divination these days? I use tarot cards, coins, bolts. <laughs> uh, you say bolts? Bolts, nuts, bolts. Oh, nuts and bolts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, screws, uh, a cigar. Um, and I don't like touching people because when I touch them, I see their lives. So I don't like touching people. I hug you once in a blue. I hug you, but I don't like touching people. I really don't. I really do not. Well, I, I can't say much because, you know, I've read for people for years and I've worked in Botanicas. I have never had a client touch my cards. I don't let them shuffle. I don't let them cut. I let them sit there <laughs> and I do and I do it all. No, shuffle, play with them, talk to them, do whatever. Um, so this is a, a, a free lesson on Tarot 101. And this came from my, my mama and them, 
Okay, so y'all feel free to use it. <laughs> and this is how I taught my children. I taught my children how to read tarot when my son was 10, my daughter was eight, my other daughter was seven. My baby daughter reads rune stones and I don't know nothing about runes. My best friend. Me neither, and I'm Irish. I don't know nothing about runes. I can't tell you how to do them. I don't know. But my best friend that lives in Arizona taught my daughter. And my daughter found a full set one day, and that became hers. Um, but I taught them how to read tarots. The reason why when you go into stores, then they have the display. Because once you shuffle them, you open them up, they become yours because they can't really sell them. But they don't like to tell you that because now you're putting your energy in it. That's right. one. And I haven't worked in too many spiritual stores to know that one. And you shuffle them, you sleep on them. That's how my mama taught us. And you do like a little ceremony to make them a part of you. And every day you play with them, touch them, get familiar with them, listen to them speak, look at the full picture. Don't go by the book, but the book is just the basic. But look at it. Because when you read tarot, you learn about alchemy, colors, numerology, like the door opens for everything. I can't get, I can't get the tarot down. For real? Yeah. Some people can't. Some people can do bones. Some people can do cigars. My friend Ozzy do the, the tea and the egg. And I'd be like, you put an egg in a cup, I'm going to stir it up and fry it. Put some grits with it. But he can do it. He can. <clears throat> people read. I can't read with water. I can't. I'm not even going to lie to you. The first time uh, this person I knew put water in the cup, I drank it. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I thought, I thought you were giving me some water. But I, I can't read the water. I, if you tell... I can't. What I have to do is take my glasses off and then I can see. And I can't see. I'm My eyesight is shot. So when I take my glasses off, then I can see everything. But when I put my glasses on, I see the, I see regular. And that's it. But yeah. No, 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 no. Well, you know, it's funny because I'm like, I'm like that with tea, uh, tea leaves. Because, you know, I'm also, I also read the tea leaves in the teacup. But if I've got my glasses on, I can't see anything. I have yeah, to take I my glasses it. off so that I can deliberately get my blur on, so to say, so I can see shapes and images. Yeah. And you know, some of the things that show up are like scary spot on with things that are going on, you know, in people's lives. And it's just like, you know, I think everybody has to find their own mm-hmm. type of divination. Like I tried with tarot for years and, you know, I was always black and white, you know, everything was, my initial cards were from the 1850s and they were just black and white, absolutely no color, and I got used to reading that way. And I tried learning tarot and it's just like, man, there's just so much going on, there's so many colors and shapes mm-hmm. and See, it opens up. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I fell in love with tarot with my friend Rach, pulled out the deck and she had the right of weight deck. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And she brought me my first deck. And I was reading, reading, and then they became addictive. Oh, man. That's why when Michelle, mama, started talking about Tara, and I was like, oh, my God, I love her. And in my, in my um, reading, when, you know, you get initiated and you get your reading, it was like, you need to get bones and shells. Like, you you need to read those. But I never pursued it because I didn't know nobody to read bones or nothing. 
you know, like I didn't know nobody. So I was like, okay, eventually when I went to the conjure gala and I saw this lady and here she is and she explained it like I can do it in less than five seconds when my granddaughter that's two years old, I could put on the floor and she can do it and play with it. I said, yo, I love her. That's my mother. I love her. I don't even know. I love her. I stayed under that lady like, hi, mom. And I don't call nobody mom. I call you lady or of course my madrina. That's my spiritual mother. But everybody else is, hey, lady, what up, auntie? Hey, cousin. For you to say it for me and for my kids or anybody that know me here, you say, yo, she called you mom. They'll be like, oh, you must be special. That lady is really special. I don't even know her from a hill of beans. I don't even care. I love her. I'll be like, hey, mom. She's a, Michelle's awesome. So simple. Yes, it was so simple. And I felt, she gave us the little... Uh, Sample for us to build our. Uh, I said, you know, I can't go in people's houses because I go through their drawers and start taking stuff. <laughs> I have to be mindful. No, I will. I will. I'll be like, you don't want this earring, but it has each piece has to speak to me and it has right. to tell a story. So I was like, let me back up because I need to build this so right that, but I know she sells sets and all of them, they all sell sets and it is so great and I was grateful for it. And I was like, maybe I'll look through and get a set from her and add that on. Like, oh, my goodness. But it was it was really mind-blowing for me. It really was. You know, it was for me, too. Because, you know, I had a one-on-one with, you know, mm. Andre Laguerre, you know, Hambrazine. And yes. one of the biggest things that I took away was getting out of my own way and out of my own head. And once I did, you know... For me, it boiled right down to my own meanings for each piece, as well as a combination of what I've always done, which is symbolic divination. Mm. You know, the certain images and the charms that I use, you know, have very specific symbolic meanings for me. So once I got out of my head, I started looking at my set and I was just like, wow. This isn't as difficult as I was trying to make it out to be. <laughs> it actually became very, very fluid. And my set has grown. I mean, I've got to get a new basket now because my basket's wow. no longer big enough for my bones. I think I've got 150 had, pieces now. <laughs> she, had, she had sets all out. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I said, what is all this? And they was like, oh, she reads that. I said, hold on. I, me and Layla were sitting there and... We, I'm sitting there like, okay, what's she get ready to do? And when she did that, man, you think the world opened up. Like, Alofi himself came down and said, see, I told you I got you. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was I was, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was so open. I said, uh-uh, I like this lady. <laughs> I come and find out I was in the group and everything. I even paid to. I said, oh, we, I know I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But, yeah. Uh, you're, never, you're never wrong. You know, <laughs> it, it, we just are always catching up. And, you know, it, bones are just like, you know, our, our, our altars. <laughs> they start out with this little tiny thing, you know, in the corner someplace with just one little glass, little candle. You know, next thing you know, it's going down the hallway, out the door, into the bathroom, up above the toilet. <laughs> Listen, a young sister, bless your mouth, a young sister came there today. And she was just curious. And she was like, you know, I don't know if I'm building a right ancestor altar. I said, well, who was your ancestors? And you give them what you give them. Now, most people put coffee up there. They put 
uh, can do, uh, and we ain't talk about a boba, we talk about an ancestor author, and right. all the things from their ancestors, because people would tell them. And she said, no, they told me in a group, I have to put this, I have to put that. I said, let me tell you, uh, my ancestor author. My mother, back in the day, and when she was coming up, they drank Gordon's gin. That's what she put, that's what I put up there. And she would like liver wish and chocolate chip cookies. My father drank black coffee with sugar and ice, and he would eat chocolate chip cookies. My brother loved ketchup on everything. I put a bottle of ketchup up there so quick. I have to give them what they liked when they were living. Yes. That's my ancestor author. I can't put up St. Jude or somebody that I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know how. So I call her my spiritual goddaughter. Her name is Jess. She, they told her to put coffee, to put some rum, to put this. And I said, well, what's your mother drink? She said, Coca-Cola soda. She said, because my mother never drank coffee. Like, she hated coffee. I said, do you feel a connection with your altar? She's like, no. She said, I just walked by. I said, well, your mama drank what? She said, Coca-Cola. I said, put a whole bunch of bottles of Coca-Cola up there. She did. She said, listen, that altar buzzed to me. Like, yo, I'm so connected. We have to learn to listen to our ancestors, our own egos. Who is your spirit are not mine. Even and if we were related, we may not, my auntie may didn't favor you. I, and I don't care what nobody said. They can say, no, that's wrong. If I, no, no. I'm going to put the ones that I know that's from my house, that's from my family, that's from my mommy and them. I'm going to put them up there. Even the thugs, the, the crazies, all that. Everybody going up there. Because I don't know who might be helping me today, tomorrow. Uh-uh. So the young lady, she was like, well, what if you have a problem? I said, let me break you down like this so you'll you understand. If I got a problem with money, my father was the provider, so I'll call him. If I got a problem with the family, I'll call my mother because she was the backbone. If I got a problem with fighting or whatever or arguing, i call my brother because these are the ones that I know. If there's something that's out of place or mystical, I call my grandmother because in the kitchen she would read cards when my grandfather would go to work. So I know who to call and why to call them. Exactly. And then you need to do your history and find out who your family is. Now, for those people that go, well, I'm adopted and I don't know my family. Who raised you? Who raised you? And when you start getting close to that altar, your spirits will start presenting themselves physically, spiritually, in your dream. They're going to walk with you. They're going to let you know we here. Now, y'all can say, no, no, no. I'm saying, yes, yes, yes. Yes, because that's how I go. And it's one of those things, you know, it's just like life. You know, with our conversation that we had a little while ago, reference to, you know, everybody is needed. Everybody is necessary. Everybody is important. You might not like, you know, Uncle Hoo-Hoo or whatever name he has. You know, he may have been, you know, a nasty person growing up. He might have mm-hmm. been belligerent. He might have been, you know, argumentative. But, you know, there are times when you need that energy, you know, and those are the people that you call on, you know. Mm-hmm. So you call on the ones that you need for particular work. You know, I have one, you know, he guards my door. Mm-hmm. He didn't like nobody. Of course, nobody's still coming in my house. But, <laughs> see, you know, every one of them has a particular place on your altar, whether you like them or didn't like them, whether you have an issue or not. Being that they have passed, 
they still want the best for your life. Listen, my, my auntie, right? Her name ain't Lou. We call her Auntie Lou. She live in Amit, Louisiana. So take it up with her. <laughs> I remember when I was little and I said, I said, no, I'm scared. She said, baby, you never be scared of the dead. The living. They crazy as cat shit. But the dead, I don't even care who they are. When they get on that side, they try their best to make things right over here. So I said, okay. And I, I went with that. And I was telling the young lady today, and she was like, thank you. I said, no, thank your spirits, because you walked over here. I don't believe in coincidences. Everybody come to somebody when their spirits need them to know what they need to be doing. Exactly. You know, and people, there are so many people afraid of, you know, as Candela put it, Uncle Pookie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, these are your family, you know, and just like every family, you know, we all have, you know, the crazy or the drunk or oh. the, you know, oh, one that's angry. And <laughs> I got a sister. My grandmother be laughing. I got a sister. I love her to death. I got a sister, but if she walk in my house, she got to clap her hands if she got to use the bathroom. So they said, well, why? Because she is still. And I know if her ass die the day or tomorrow, she's going to be my thief that I need to go and get some things because she'll tell you. And everybody be like, well, why you got to clap your hands? Because she is still a sweet out of sugar. She sure will. So she clap her hands until she get in the bathroom, close that door. When she come out, she still clap her hands. Because if you clap, you won't steal. I ain't playing. I don't play. Listen, I put up a, a post. Um, who in your family will won't say nothing like they keep a quiet tongue? I said none of my mama and them kids, not even my nieces and nephews. If you if it's on your mind, say it out your mouth. Deal with it. But yeah, my sister, she got to clap every time she walk in my house. Clapping, mama, don't stop because once they stop clapping, they in there stealing. Yeah, we got those. I, you gotta you gotta get you gotta get one of those, um, you know. No, Anklet, anklets with you, bells. No, she good. She got it. She made... No, for real, I can't make this up. I love her. She my sister. Um, She got a hook in her teeth. She, You know, like the... the it's like... A, it looks like a, a hook, right? Her teeth is... The way the dentist did it, and she can even pop off the little, those little magnets that's on the clothes. And take that. She don't play. She do not play. She's professional. I tell you, she'll steal a sweet out of sugar. Whatever ain't nailed, glued, bent down, she'll take it with her. No, for real. I, I love her to death. She's my baby sister. I love her. But honey, she will steal anything. And I said, uh-uh, boo-boo. No. But listen, we from the South. We mix our crazies, our thieves, everybody. They walk amongst everybody else. And we ain't ashamed of them. Not at all. They family. Blood recognized blood. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to talk about you in your face, behind your back, and I'm going to let you know you my sister. I love you to death. But yeah, we, we, don't, we don't hide none of our stuff. Why? We ain't shame of them. Nope. Nothing. Nah, one of them. Nah, one of them. And we all got we all got them. I mean. <laughs> yeah, most people hide theirs in the closet. I don't. I don't. I don't, honey. You know, it's like we all have them. It's one of those things that, you know. You can't deny there's a crazy in almost every family. There's a drunk. There's a thief, you know. <laughs> oh, you haven't worked with that one spirit that helps you hide, huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just, I be dying, though. I love them. But um, spiritually, yeah, they all, we, I do, I do come from a spiritual family. And, but theirs is different. You know, I mean, 
when you do like if a broom fall in our house it's normal for us you know most people be like oh my god that's conjure that's what but we're so used to it that it's like second nature so we already know somebody coming you know hide your money that you don't want to lend out uh, put your kids to sleep because they may be coming with a bottle or something. So we already know if you spill salt, throw it over your shoulder. You don't need no bad luck. Now, if pepper spill, we getting the hell out of there because everybody in the house is getting ready to argue. So we leave it. You know, but it's second nature for us. If you drop money, we'll step on it. Money on the floor, me money out the door. Don't put it with the rest of your money because that money get ready to leave. So we have like all, yeah, we have sayings when you, there's a song that they taught us when we was little. When, you know how a hearse ride by? Most yep. people in the South, they grab buttons, right? So you'll grab a button, and if the person that's next to you, if they not, they don't have a button on their shirt, you grab two buttons. But the one thing you don't do is laugh. So the song was, never laugh when a coffin go by, or you may be the next to die. They wrap you up in the bloody sheets. They bury you almost 60 feet deep. The worms will crawl in, the worms will crawl out, eating your guts and spitting them out. Never laugh when a coffin go by, or you will be the next to die. That is the song they taught us when we was kids, so we don't laugh at all. It is embedded in my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, everybody. And they take it hard. Don't go laugh, yo, man, shut up. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was growing up, you know, my younger brother and I, we used to uh, play the hold your breath game mm-hmm. every time we drove by a cemetery. And the whole premise basically was, you know, we're going by a cemetery, you know, don't breathe. You don't want anything to come and pull you in. It's not our time yet. And, you know, and I still do it to this day, you know, <laughs> even though I go in them now. But... You know, when I drive by, I always hold my breath. Of course, I'm always praying when I do the same. But it's one of those things that, you know, when these are ingrained in you growing up, it is second nature. You know, Candela was saying that, uh, you know, when when the thief in the family, you know, passes, he's going to go and take some dirt and make some four thieves vinegar out of it. There you go. There you go. There you go. Because they, you know, you use that energy, you know, and you use it to help yourself in life and your ancestors. You know, being a diviner, we pull upon all the energies or current, you know, from all the different ancestors, guides, spirits that we work with to help elevate people, to help their lives become better, to be able to provide and give them the information that they need to get from point. Listen, we would, we, we would, um, my mother always told us whenever we feel lonely or not there with our, um, feeling distant from our relatives and our family to grab some New Orleans dirt. So a friend of mine went to New Orleans and got the dirt. Hello? What'd you do? I'm hearing I'm hearing the police. Is somebody somebody coming after you? No, no. Oh, that's outside. Listen, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. I know, I'm just teasing. Okay. They need some healing. Um, but yeah, so when um when my mother always say when you feel like you're left out, like you said, a diviner always pulls all energy. So when I feel distant or if I feel like I'm not next to my family, I grabbed my New Orleans dirt and rubbed my hands in it, you know, because a friend of mine went to New Orleans and brought me back some dirt. I was like, thank you. 
And you need that. You know, sometimes you need to have something from where you are from. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I'm born and raised where I live now in Troy. And I live in a family house. You know, this was my great aunt's house when I was growing up. I spent a lot of time here. My grandmother lived a block away. I was born a block away from there. (laughs) 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 Literally, you know, a three block radius. You know, I'm still growing up in the same, you know, town. The same area, the same blocks. You know, a lot of my neighbors I've known since I was a child. Sweet. I'm still looking forward to going to Florida, but. <laughs> okay. Sweet, though. That's beautiful. You know, um, where we go, it is it is everybody, because my mother was known for feeding everybody. When she left and came from New Orleans up here, she brought New Orleans with her. For real. She People started eating crawfish. People was eating gumbo, like red beans and rice. She was doing all that. Making me hungry. <laughs> she would. She would. And honey, those people, even when she would go down south and come back up, she would bring bags of crawfish, and those people would sit there and eat it. I used to be like, Lord, have mercy. Look <laughs> at these people. You wouldn't get me away from a table. <laughs> but the one thing she didn't want was us to be judged. So my friends and them always thought we was from New York. They, you know, they didn't know because when you say you're from New Orleans back in the day, we talking years ago, you were known as the voodoo, the root worker, the hoodoo worker. So back then it wasn't good because the churches and everybody, like they would, they would seclude you. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. a part of anything. So my mother didn't, you know, whatever was done, we didn't go outside and tell nobody. It wasn't, we couldn't share that part. You know, and I remember when I I did my first card reading in front of the house, in front of my mama's house, and she was sitting on the top of the stairs and she said, okay, go ahead. And that's when she just started sharing, just telling us. But before, she didn't want to because people can be cruel. People back in the day, people can be cruel. My brother is left-handed. Now, we're talking 40 years ago. They would beat my brother in school. They would beat him with the ruler so he could write with his right hand. So I used to write with my left hand, too, and be like, you hit me. I'm telling my mama I ain't playing. So people can be cruel when, it, when they don't know what it is. You know, fear is, fear is a monster when they don't know what it is, especially back in the day. So, But now we embrace all of it. Uh, and when people are like, oh, my God, you really are from New Orleans. Yeah, my family is from New Orleans. That's where we from. My aunt and them is down there. My family is down there. My sister and brother go down there more than I do. And they down there. So we can't deny them. We can't. My my cousin is in Texas. Um, I don't know where April and them is. I know they're in Texas. But, um, yeah, no. We, we can't we can't deny them. We can't and, deny them. And, you know, them. And Christine Tegler, who's in our chat group, you know, said, mm-hmm. you know, people are still awful and cruel. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's still they still are. You know, they still haven't gotten to that point in life where they have elevated, where they have been love and accept and, you know, live the life that God has put there, you know, and the lessons. Like, you know, even if you look at the Bible, you know, it's for me, it's a book of love stories. It's a book of, hey, here's some lessons that you should learn to live a better life. 
Listen, for us, it's a book of spells. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go there. No. <laughs> for us, it's a book of spells. You know, the signs. And... The young lady was like, she was trying to get her great-grandmother's Bible, but her grandmother don't want to give it up. I said, listen, take you a Bible and go to the church when they having a ceremony, a service, put that church, put that Bible down there by your feet with some olive oil and sit there and go through the praise and worship, go through the, the prayers, go through the word being given, go through the benediction, all of that. Then pick that Bible up, wipe that, that thing off with some oil and start writing names in there and build your own. She was like, oh, I can do that. You do whatever you want to, honey. There's no rule in conjure work. Listen, as long as you are justifiable, sometimes you don't have to be justifiable. As long as you... First of all, to me, as long as you know that you're doing whatever to survive, that's what those people did. I had to do things so they can survive. Now, I'm going to tell y'all a story, and then y'all take it as y'all want. But this story came from my Aunt Louise and them and my mama and them, and we was young when they told us this. So I'm going to share this story with y'all because I told this today, and I think this is a great story so y'all can hear. I'm a listener. One of the things... <laughs> One of the things, because she said, we was talking about ministration blood and how they use it in spells and stuff, right? I said, listen, my aunt told me a different version. And so all of y'all, if y'all think this is ain't right, y'all go down there to New Orleans, Amen, Louisiana, or we're 504, and y'all tell her, and she's going to look at y'all and say, I know you lying. Get on out my face. So I'd rather deal with wisdom before I deal with anything else. And now, this is the story she told me. First of all, administration blood is the blood to release, right? You clean right. yourself, correct? We all know that, right? So how can something that released to get away from you bring something back to you? That's one. So the greatest story that was ever told that we have fought because back then of the slaves. Now, all y'all people, y'all can say, no, 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 but I'm going still with my aunt. So back in the day when the slave women and stuff, you know how those old women, they wear aprons, Right. So the aprons was worn. We're talking about New Orleans back in them, right? So they're sharing the story, so don't, don't get me. Um, the, sometimes the aprons was worn because back then they didn't have sanitary napkins and tampons and all that. So what they did was use cloth, correct? Right. Y'all hearing me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they would take that cloth and use it, and they used that washing board to clean with that boric soap and all that soap back in the day. That was the Castile or whatever it is. They would clean that and hang it out, and they'd change their clothes as they go along. But back then, we didn't have salt and pepper. What we had was different herbs in our gardens that we would, you know, season our greens and our pig feed and all of that, what we cooked back then. So chamomile, y'all know, is to make you relax, mint. You know, to also put you in a relaxed mode. So many different things, right? So when Master would come home from being out in the field, he hungry, he tired, he sweaty, he mad. Correct? Okay, we all agree on that. So the wife would come and be like, baby or honey or mister, because some of the women would call their husbands mister. I need to go and he would yell at her, cuss her out, and she'll be mad. But the women in the kitchen would make a meal, right? Get the babies to fan them and put his, maybe soak his feet, take his boots off and leave them outside. Here's why Southern people don't let you wear shoes in their house. Take those boots outside, clean this out for master. And they'll sit there and feed them. And then after they finish, they give him a little rag, wash his face and his neck and get him prepared. And they feed him. And then at the end, he get a, his pipe or his cigar and they give maybe a small swig of brandy. We all agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. 
Now, after you get all that, you relax, right? So then they'll go and say, Master, can we go over to Master Tom's house to see our cheering in them and see our chaps in them? Because when you see our lovers in a long time, our kinfolk, he say, oh, go ahead and take such and such with you, but be back here before dawn. So they'll go and see who they had to see and they come back, correct? Okay. Now the wife would be mad. Now, mama and them is in the kitchen. They cooking. They use them little pockets to pull out those little herbs, and they taste it because we didn't have measuring cups. You taste, you know where the pinch is and this yep. and that, and they put it in there, right? But the wife would want to know, so we wouldn't tell them. Now, in the process of your cooking, if you're bleeding, of course you're going to have an accident because we ain't got pads and stuff back there. So what we'd do is we'd turn that skirt around until we get a chance because we don't want our greens and stuff to burn, and we'd put the apron in front. Until we get out there, we clean the stuff, and we get that extra set, and we throw that on. Oh, she put in period blood in his food. That's why he stayed. Now, some of y'all can argue with it, and y'all go right ahead. But there's nothing on this planet that'll make me believe something that a woman cleans her body, and that blood is to release. If anything that you are taking away from your body, you think it's going to bring a man? It's taken away. And then you will have some people that'll say, oh, but I use it, and he stays. So when the young lady said that, I said, now look at the relationship. Most of the time, they need a place to live. <laughs> they know that this woman got some money. They ain't trying to go back and live with their mama and them. And even the broke clock is right two times out the day. Because sometimes this bird say, listen, I'm just tired. Give it to him. Give it to him. But that's what my auntie and them say. So they never fought it. They always, what my aunt says, they never, we never fought that rumor. But when you go into a woman's house, colored, southern, even northern, you smell bleach, pine, they clean the kitchen, they mop down the floor, they mop down the oven, they do all of that. They not nasty. They not. They take care. Now, they use their period blood, my mom and them did, for the roses. They use their period blood for the, they add a little bit in, for the roses. For things to grow, that I give it to them. And my mother and them had the best roses that on the block, 110, 13, 160th Street in South Jamaica, Queens. She showed there. Had a garden that was, and she had used that. They used a morning piss to clean the front of their porch to protect them. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of traditions do that. Yes. Now, they didn't use it to keep nobody. Now, most people didn't want you to eat at nobody's house, and they just let that lie roll. That's what my aunt said. She said, because. If such and such, first of all, they didn't do it because they didn't want you to eat at no one's house because it was dirty. Because you knew if back in the day, they didn't really, they talk, they gossip. But if somebody had problems with their kids, they'd go over there and help them. But they didn't want you to eat at no one's house because they was barely making it or barely getting by. So kids would, was, we would crack on each other. That's why your mother ain't got no food. That's why you ain't got this. So they didn't want that. Don't eat over there. I don't want you eating in that house. But they knew that was the bottom line. They couldn't afford it. Maybe their husband got laid off, or they didn't get no stamps back then, or they didn't get such and such, or they didn't have enough. They got them nine children, and they barely, they've been eating uh, rice and salmon, because that's the quickest colored color food in the world, or rice and beans, and they need every ounce they can get. So that's there's not, And there's not enough to go around. You know? So you go and you help you know, your friends, you help your family, but when it comes to, you know, putting them out or stretching what they already have, you know, it was not something that was done. You know, you can't put somebody into a worse situation food-wise. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and people misunderstand a lot, you know, of culture, you know, and things that have taken place, you know, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, but my, you know, I, I always sit at my aunt's and them feet. I always, you know, we always, as kids, we would sit around and they would tell us stories of back in the day and they'd tell us the reason why and, you know, why you did this or why this happened. So they did tell us that. That they did. My mother told us stories of New Orleans when she was a young girl coming up. And then when we went over there, we saw it. She would show us this, that. There's a thing called the brick of bratch in Louisiana. Yeah. The brick of bush. Let me say it right, as my son in would make sure I say it. And that's where they would bury all the aborted or miscarried babies or the babies that died. And it is a beautiful piece of land. Oh, baby, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful, green, beautiful. But that's where they buried all the babies. In a sackcloth. And they did a ceremony so this baby can go in peace. So the mama won't be written when she die. I said, that is beautiful. And it is. And it's right there. I said, when I go back down, I'm going to take a picture. And my auntie said, no. You take a picture of that. You don't disrespect the dead. So I didn't take a picture. So I said, okay, I'll just tell the story. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, divination, you know, I'm glad this entire conversation has taken place because, you know, where our roots lie, you know, is a very huge part of us as a diviner, you know. Yes. Knowing your ancestors, knowing the energies that you pull from, knowing the stories that have taken place, it's one of those things that how can you work any kind of spiritual work or any kind of divination without knowing, without being able to pull on that energy, because you need to be able to connect, you know, and you need to understand, you know, if you don't understand about your culture, your heritage, your history, family legacies, you know, what does that say about a person as a diviner or as a spiritual worker? You know, they're pulling on empty energy if they don't, because they don't know how to connect to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the story is beautiful. I mean, I, you. you had to ask if I was still there. <laughs> I, I give honor to my auntie and them. You know, she listen. When you walk in a house, that's why I tell people. I said, listen, you go to my auntie house. She gonna read you before you walk in the door. You can't walk through the front door because you're not the president. You're not important. You walk through the side or the back. You don't walk through the front. And they got the living room. They really believe in that. If you ain't company, you can't sit in that living room. Sit your ass in the back with everybody else or in the kitchen, you know. And most of the time, it's the kitchen. Yeah. Now, where I come from, right, the kitchen is the healing place. My mother and them will all sit around, right? Um, This is when I learned that, wow, I thought I was grown. And I found that I wasn't grown. When you sit at that kitchen, you got somebody cutting up greens, you got somebody shelling peas or, or snapping peas, beans, and you got um, somebody that might be uh, watching the turkey or the ham or whatever, somebody on there frying chicken, or you boiling the eggs and the potatoes to make potato salad, or you mixing the noodles up to make that macaroni and cheese. But everybody got a job in that kitchen. Nobody, you move like one body, 
right? That's who he's taught. And we'll be on the side. My mother and I'm going to get buckets. Me, my sister, all of us on the side, and we cleaning chitlins. Oh, I hated cleaning chitlins, but it was better than doing everything else because at the end, you had to take a bath in tomato sauce so that smell could get off of you because, ooh, baby, you don't want that smell on you, not at all. So you will clean all these chitlins, and you get big buckets. And you think you're going to get a lot, but child, by the time you cook down, you'll be like, you just got a plate full. So, we <laughs> was raised on pork. I don't eat pork now. No, I don't eat no meat. But back then, you know, you cleaned chitlins, you did all of that. And you would talk. Women would talk. The men would be outside. They'd be in the backyard. The kids would be, my mother used to have a, a old-time ice cream, you know, the turner with the oh, yes. ice or that. And they'll make that and pour it in there. And the kids, we were, you know, who was the strongest? So we had to turn it. And the hard it get, you know, the cold is getting. And it become hard. So, you know, everybody had to be Hercules back then. But the women would sit down and they'd talk. Not gossip. Talk. So you had the elder, which was my mother then. Back then, let me start. Let me go back a little further, which was my grandmother. Her name was Maddie. We called her Medea. Every southern person always had a Medea. So we call her Medea, but her name was Maddie. And they would talk about their kids, their husband, their sex lives. Nothing was exempt in the kitchen. And the one thing you didn't do is take it out in the street. What was said in there, you would give a problem, and somebody from the oldest to the youngest would give you an antidote. You talked about your badass kids, your wayward husband, your shorty of a man, my little side piece. Talked about everything. Nothing was exempt, and you got healing in there. And they told you. It, most people say, "Oh, but that was root work." No, it wasn't. Because if my husband, girl, he just oh, he just don't know how to come home. He be in the clubs and the bars and the juke joint drinking and doing all that. Girl, when you make them greens, put some chamomile in it so you can calm his ass down. What? <laughs> and when I finally sat in the kitchen. I thought I was grown. I'm all in the conversation. I got my kid. I got my husband. I'm finally at the table. Man, they cursed me out so goddamn bad. I said, I don't want to be at this table. (laughs) But it was. It was a learning experience. It was women teaching women how to be women, women healing women. I never forget uh, one of the stories, and this is my family, so I can share it, and I don't care. when, when one of my cousins got touched and my, 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 my grandmother and them, oh, baby, it was like a quietness in that kitchen. I think everybody might have, at this moment, this is what I felt, right? No spiritual, nothing, but at my, like back then, Southern women, they had to be careful of uncle this one or this uncle or this one or this cousin because, you know, you had them all in your family. But at that moment, I can tell you like it was yesterday. My grandmother was stirring collard greens. My mother was sitting there picking peas because me and we was on the sides doing them damn chitlins. And everybody got quiet. So I, I think from that moment, everybody had to remember how they felt when that happened to them. Or maybe they knew it was happening to one of their kids. However it is, but everybody at that moment went in their memory. And they came up with an answer. Uh, uh, we got you. Move out that damn house starting today. You're not even going back home. They called. I never forget my mother called my father in there. And they went in the backyard and they talked. And me and my sister, we like, uh-uh, it's not ready to go down. We thinking it's going to be a fight. But no, they, they took my uncle and took him to the side. The men did. They didn't beat him. They didn't. They didn't beat him. But they made him go get some help. For real. 
And it, it was, it was, it was something. I remember that day. You know, people don't realize and they don't comprehend the power that, you know, being together as family has. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this day and age, everybody's in such a hurry to, you know, move the heck out. Nobody wants to sit down for Sunday dinners. Nobody wants to mm-hmm. gather around. I mean, I'm I, I'm known for that, too. You know, I spend a long time, you know, family get together. Something got to work. I got to take care of the dog. Got to go and do this. You know, so I missed a lot, you know. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that, you know, family is the foundation of everything. They always have your back. They always try to, you know, push you to be better, you know. And back in that day, mm-hmm. nothing like it is today. You know, no, no, everybody, no. nobody, everybody wants to do their own thing. They want to sit in front of the TV and eat their, you know, whatever TV dinner, or if they cooked, you know, taking it to their room, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all single me, me, me. But we try. I, I will say that. My, my mother's children, when we all get together, we try. We get, you know, the last one we had, my aunt and all of them, we was all sitting there telling the stories and stuff. And my son and my nephew and all of them was there. And, you know, it is. Every so often we do. We try on holidays. If I'm not there, my daughter and them are there. So we do try. We do try to keep it like my mother did. My mother would have everybody at her house. Everybody was at our house at 110, 13, 160. Everybody, friends, relatives. Now, I always talk about my mom and them, so let me tell you about my daddy. (laughs) My father had one talent that I give so much credit to. He would get you to laugh at your flaws. When you laughed at your flaws, it didn't hold you back, and the world couldn't make fun of you. I had a friend, right, still the best friend. Her name is Carol. So everybody, she had a big nose, and everybody would crack on her nose. We was young. So my father started calling her Marble Nose, and people would crack jokes. Oh, here come Marble Nose, here come Marble She'd get so mad. My father would walk in the door and be like, hey, Marble Nose. And my father got older, right? He had got, he was in the early stages of dementia, and she got to see him before he passed, you know, when he was in the early stage. He still knew who he was. He still told right. stories. And so Carol asked him, why did you call me Marble Nose? She was like, you know, he said, I remember one day when someone told you that you had a big nose, you laughed and said, okay, what else? My nose, I, that means I can smell everything. So what else? Come with something else. And she said, yeah. He said, you never, you never let that floor bother you, did you? She said, no. He said, when you make fun of things that are on you, the world can't make you feel bad. He said, so you learn to accept it. And Carol was like, thank you, Mr. Billy, and hugged him. And she was like, oh, my God, I love you. And he was like, I love you too, Mom. No. <laughs> but he would. He would. You know, my pops was a, a drummer. He was a drummer. And he was spiritual, always. He always played. And when it thundered and lightning, that a in a southern woman house, you had to turn off everything, everything. And don't sit near the windows or the doors because you would get striped. So what my father would do is go get his drum, and he would sit everybody around, and he would bang and tell you a story why he hit the drums. It was about spirit. 
always about spirit, someone that died or the great I am or, you know, he always never did the Jesus thing. He always told about spirit. So he would he would sit there and tell people, listen. And I remember when I heard Lauren Hill said it and I was like, damn, that's my father speaking. OK, he used to be like every day people lie to God. Why you don't think they lie to you? I said, uh-uh, with Laurie Hill, and she always <laughs> made that song, Forgive Them Father. And I said, my father say that. And he would. He used to tell people that. So I, on both sides, I'm very grateful of my, I used to be, and I'm going to be real with all of y'all, I used to be embarrassed because here my mother, this Southern, Geechee, New Orleans, voodoo lady, and my father, the Moor, slash Indian, doing all kinds of herbs and stuff. And I used to be like, no, you can't come to my house. My family crazy. I did when I was young through the ages of, you know, I was in the early 13 to from nine to 13. Oh, I was embarrassed. I was, I was embarrassed. No, no, I'm not bringing my friends here. They understand. So with my kids, they used to be like, I ain't bringing nobody here. Ain't nobody coming here to see the do not say blah, 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 blah lady. No, because you had to grow into your own. You know, and I didn't appreciate it. I didn't. You know, I, I did not. I thought it was horrible. Y'all embarrassing me. Why can't we be like regular families where we sit down and eat and we ain't got to talk about somebody that's dead and gone and Nan came to visit you. Nan is dead. Because it was to me, it was embarrassing. But when I got older, when I turned 16 and I started understanding, you know, everybody walks into spirituality that they own. You know, exactly. I, I tell stories to my grandkids so they'll know who they are and where they come from. As same way as my mother and father did. We'll know where you are. So when somebody try to tell you, oh, I see this spirit, you better tell me a name because all my spirits talk. My mama, she came to Amisa and said, tell her I said. And the dude is sitting there reading and he said, hold on, wait, wait. He said, your mother start with a B. Uh, oh my. And nobody didn't know that. So my mother then will let you know. No, tell tell that heifer I saw her. Because she going to talk. My father's going to talk. My brother's going to talk. And they're going to tell you who they are. You might not pronounce the name fully, but they sure going to let you know. Because you can't come to me and say, spirit said, who? Which spirit? When they died, they had the name. So don't they get a name in the afterlife? Who I'm going to call? I said, what's wrong with the world today? We sitting there calling God. You know how many people going to answer the goddamn phone? God. All them are gods. Let's give some names to people. If you walk in a room and say, hey, mama, everybody that got kids going to turn around and look around. Well, who are you talking to? But if you say Anna May Bullock, oh, then you talking to me. Okay, then. Let's give these spirits names. Stop running around yelling. Spirits say, I know you lying. I know you lying. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Charles Porterfield was just saying, you know, they just had a huge thunderstorm there about an hour ago, and he was yelling at the grandbabies to stay away from the windows. <laughs> For real. But my father would play. He would play the drums. I even videoed him in one of my YouTube videos where he's sitting there playing. It was my turn to tell the story, and my daughters and all of them were sitting around. My daughter, my middle child, plays. She loves playing drums. She would bang it out. Now, my granddaughter, my son went and brought her a set of drums. I said, you know, if my father was alive, he would have cried all day, every day. My father died with his drumsticks in his hand, just like he told me he would, right in the bed. He said, don't put me in a home. I said, never, sir. I called my father, sir or pop. I said, never, sir. He said, when I die, make sure my drumsticks are in my hand. My daughter took a picture of it. So she said, you'll always know you did everything that your father told you to do. 
And when he died, he had his drumsticks in his hand. He was a drummer by birth, he said. He said he would never put his, he would go to work when he worked for the airlines with his drumsticks under his shoulder, under his arm, walking and would play. That's all he knew is to play. And my father gave up, gave up drumming when I got born. And I said, Pop, how can you give up something that you love so much? He said, because I never wanted to miss a day without being near you. And I said, wow, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, he gave it up. He gave it up. He, he wouldn't play. He went to work. This man has traveled all over the world. He was in the Ebenezer. I put up his song every so often because I have the pleasure of knowing that my father has albums out there that I can hear. And I put them up every so often. He did two songs. When he first met my mother, he didn't even know her. He was playing at the Zanzibar in Queens. And my mother was a barmaid there. She had came up to New York. I wasn't even born. She came up. She came to see her sisters and them, and she was a barmaid. My father was playing with Ben. Back then, he wasn't my godfather. His name was Freddie Hill. God bless his dad. He looked at him and said, yo, that's my wife. And he said, man, you don't even know that lady. And when he got up there to sing, he made the song for her, Somewhere in My Heart. And I said, ooh. And then when they got married and had kids, he made a song called She Talked Too Much. <laughs> he did. So there was a, my son, my grandfather, when he saw my grandmother, he said, that's my wife. When my son, we were sitting in Atlanta at a shop where he used to work at. I, I hired my son and Teray, his ex-wife now, but before when they got married, he said, y'all got to hire her because that's my wife. And my friend, Billy, was like, nah, man. And I said, you sure? I said, yeah. I said, well, you know, it runs in our family. You always see your, your other half. And they got together and they have my granddaughter. And when my, when my son was born, well, when, my, when my granddaughter, before she was born, my son kept on saying, I'm having a boy. I said, no, you're not. I'm having a boy. Oh, my goodness. Please, who, who came to you? Uh, you're my yah? I said, no, you're, you're having a girl. And he did sonograms and everything. Oh, I'm having a boy. I said, you're having a girl. And my mother came to me as clear as day. She said, I don't know the name, but I'll give you the meaning. God sent his angel down here just for you. My granddaughter's name is Ariana. It means God's angel came down to earth to be with you. Yeah, I was named after St. Michael. I think my mother knew a little something. <laughs> Listen, all our parents were spiritual. Some of them was just scared because of the backlash that would happen. And they didn't want you to go through that. They could have went through that, but they didn't. Now, that's the part I get kind of angry with, but... It's okay, because we, we got strong backs. We can do it. Listen, when you step in that spiritual world, you better have a strong back, a mind, and everything. You become emotionally dead in the in the hospital. They label you schizophrenic, bipolar, crazy as all out, whatever. Mm -hmm. Spirits and your spirits ain't wrong, right? Nope, they they're not. You. They got you here all the way up here to now, correct? That they do. You know, Candelo, you know, from Candelo's Corner says, you know, he's got to play those songs on its 12 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so since he's right there, you know, let me give a shout out to Candelo from Candelo's Corner with his 12 o'clock somewhere on Spreaker. You know, he's been on the radio more years spiritually than anybody else. It's the longest running... The longest running man I've ever seen. 
I love this man. Let me tell I was I was doing a I did a picture. My grandbaby, my daughter, right, was trying to hide her pregnancy because she my grandbaby was turning one. So I tell her she got uh, ghetto triplets. One is two, one is one, and one is a newborn. So I call them ghetto triplets. But my grandbaby was looking between her legs, and she said, no, she's doing gymnastics. I said, I know you lying. That baby looking through her legs because there's another one coming. She took seven pregnancy tests. All of them came up positive. So Cadello was talking, and he said, listen, I, I know you Southern. And he gave me my first shot to get up on his radio show. To, and he said, listen, I'm going to give you one shot. I ain't going to help you, but I opened the door and I always made that hashtag. Candela will make you famous. And he did. He really did. He, he reached out to make sure that us new readers had a platform where we can go and show our stuff. People would. If you walk in a room, people overlook me. They do. They say, well, she don't read. She don't do that. And they'll go to the next one. One lady walked past my shop and said, oh, you black. You don't know how to read. I said, oh, okay. And you know I love that man. Yeah, yeah. So he did. I, I give him massive props. That's my homeboy. Everything. Even if he do wrong, I'm still gonna stand there and say, not my, not my homeboy. I know you lie. I don't give a fuck now. Maybe behind closed doors. Why you do that? God damn it. We gotta fix this. But he ain't do shit. Don't be playing. Don't be messing with him. That's my homeboy. Uh-uh. But yeah, that's my dog. For real. He did. He looked out. When we was at Wilson's, I'll never forget when I was going in to do my ceremony. My godmother, my Madrina said, when they was doing all prayers. And she said, uh-uh, pray for Candelo too. Because he over there in Cuba. And he's, he's, that's her friend. That's her brother. She done adopted him. So y'all make sure y'all pray for him too. Man, I'm telling you, he was, he would talk to me, everything, man. Oh my goodness. My initiation, I love it. I love it. I, I never met fearful ultra all day, every day. I'm grateful, but I believe they had to knock me down and break everything that I had. So this way I can enjoy everything I'm about to get. But he did him, his goddaughters, all of them. They came in and, you know, I had my godparents and I had them, but I also had them too. And like I said, a couch, maybe it's heavy when you lift it by itself. You're going to move it, but it's heavy. But when you got everybody lifting it, man, that's the easiest shit in the world. So I got to say, first of all, I never forget those that put our chair on my head, but I'm not going to forget those that kept me sane and not jumping off the, the ledge when it was those days I just needed someone. And when I tell you Spirit had us all connected, they would hit me up. You okay? Hey, I will. You doing good? So and you need that. You need a community. Yes. When you're going through these things. And I had that. So, listen, I, them I love. I, I do. What? TTG, I'm trained to go. Don't come after them because I'm coming too. We're going to ride together. What? We don't fold. We fight. So, well, you know, speaking of community, mm-hmm. you know, Conjure Gala. The Mile High Conjure Gala is coming up in September. You know, you can find out information on ConjureGala.com. You know, with twin. Professor Porterfield, I'm going there to be with him, my twin. So you're going to see Loretta Leedsman, Candelo. You're going to see Elaine Bryan and Beverly Smith, Professor Ames, of course, Charles Porterfield, mm-hmm. Amberzine Laguerre, Michelle Jackson, Michael Cardenas, Hoodoo Sen Moise, as well as Miss Ida. And that is going to be one phenomenal week. Yeah, it is. It's my first time, so I'm I'm open. 
You know, and for those looking, you know, you can find out information on ConjureGala.com, you know, coming up on Candelo's birthday weekend. For real? He just posted that in the chat room that it's on his birthday weekend. Ooh, Ooh we got a party. So, yeah, you know that's going down. <laughs> Listen, they took alcohol from me. I, I can't drink and I can't smoke and I can't drive. They took those things away from me. And, you know, it's a, a gathering of really great, authentic, real, down-to-earth, you know, conjurers, hoodoo workers, you know, spiritualists mm. that live the real everyday life that these, you know, traditions were founded on. You know, and it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. You know, I do want to thank a few of the people in our chat room because, you know, we have Professor Charles Porterfield, Adriana Roman, Wilma Wilson, we've got Candelo Cambisa, uh, Mel Bright, we have Don Yamaya, yeah, Yamayacita Colon, uh, Nikita Sumara, uh, Amberzine Laguerre, of course, uh, Jeremy. Lawathi, and I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, uh, Christine Tagler, and Yvette. And Amberzine says that she will drink for you at the gala. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, it's... Uh, Cadela also says that it's St. Michael and Gabriel feast days. Mmm. You know, and I think it's going to be a beautiful and a wonderful time, you know, going down there. Now, you also have um, ways that people can connect with you, contact you. Um, I know you have the Love Supplies Botanica. Um, where is that located? So if our audience members are in that area. If you are in Queens, it is located at 8902 165th Street in the Coliseum Mall. If you need to email me, it's Love Supplies Botanica, or one word, at gmail.com. And you can catch me on Wednesdays on Facebook Live at 3 o'clock, Conversations with Ifa Bayo. And you catch me on Mondays on Instagram at 3 o'clock, Conversations with Ifa Bayo. And WordPress. And yes, you have the Love Supplies Botanica.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. That is correct. You know, and. I love listening to your conversations. You bring so much depth, you know, about community and, you know, as Candela has says, fuckery, because, you know, unfortunately that does happen within traditions, you know, and the need to be able to, you know, ask questions, you know, look around, Mm -hmm. you know, invest in yourself enough to ask questions. And if you can't get those questions answered, find somebody that can you know, nobody should not answer questions that you have, you know, regarding initiation, whether it's how much it's going to cost, you know, what it is that you need, you know, how things are going to work, you know, ask pertinent questions, because if they can't answer you, you don't want to be going there. Mm-hmm. That is true. You know, and I think often, you know, we get uh, blindsided and we just said, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we forget that, you know, there's also a protocol, you know, mm-hmm. so go and have a reading, you know, go and sit with your Babalao and, mm-hmm. you know, have them divine and see 
is this a path I should be taking? Because sometimes, you know, not what sometimes what we want is not what we're supposed to be doing, no matter how much hey. we might love it. Hey, 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 Risha gives us, yeah, because what I want so much, I do, I, I want a lot, but the Risha <laughs> and the Spirit give you what you need. Exactly. You know, and it's not always, you know, you can't have everything that you want. You can certainly get it. John Mason said, ain't no use uh, you putting furniture in your house that you don't need. If you got 50 chairs in your house and you only got one ass, what you need 50 chairs for? Hey. <laughs> eh? But it's the truth. You know, there are people out there that are, you know, title people. Yeah. They've got to they've got to have, you know, a title for everything. They've got to have the piece of paper. They've got to have a certification. They've got to have, you know, an entire wall full of look at all that I have. Mm. Like I said, what's the use of you having 50 chairs and you only got one ass? So exactly. it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. And then you have all of these things and you don't even know how to work it and know what it is, but you just got it because you want to be better or you want that title. Yeah, nah. Man gives titles. I, I don't have time for that. I don't. Man gives titles. I I, I don't need titles. You know, yeah. as spiritual... You know, as spiritual people and, you know, people that have been initiated, you know, it's not to be entered into lightly. I mean, this is a lifelong commitment. It's not a... <laughs> that you're going to pick it up Monday and put it down Thursday. Yeah. Heavy the head that wears that crown. Listen. You know, you can't. Listen, but people people think it's it's easy. Why? Because now I understand when I was asking people, well, what do you do? What you got to do? What? Shh. That's all they say. Shh. Yep. He's like, no, I want to know. Like, what's the next step? And, uh, shh. and now I understand. You don't need to know everything. The ear never goes above the head. So relax. Relax. Everything will come to you in divine time. Relax. Do and it's a process. Yeah. Oh, sure. Tell me about it. You know, you have to learn. No, it's not. And, you know, you have to learn to walk before you can run. And before you can learn to walk, you have to learn to crawl. And when I say crawl, I mean, you know, you have to be humble. You have to sit at the feet of your godparents. You Mm -hmm. have to listen. You have to sometimes not say a single thing and just watch. And there's a lot that you learn. (laughs) Oh man, I'm screwed. No. <laughs> you a baby? You a baby? All you do is sit there and be quiet. So that's beautiful. It works. Yeah. You know, it's more being said in silence than it is in anything. And there's more that you can learn by watching. Mm. You know. See how that works? You see, I mean, when you get the mouth in the way, Ooh, the eyes don't always see. You know, it's like the three monkeys. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my mouth covered, but I can still see and I can still hear. Mm-hmm. I got my eyes closed, but I can still talk and I can still hear, but I don't see anything going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but we learn in a lot of different ways. And being silent is one of those ways. You know, my godmother used to never let me ask her questions. She's like, she'd be like, Shh. That's it. That's it. They tell you watch, watch, watch. Just watch. Don't say nothing. You'd be like, okay, damn, alrighty. But you'll learn more. And you do. You'll take it in and hands on. Because some people learn better hands on. 
And some people learn, you know, you everyone learns differently. Some people learn through stories. Some people learn hands-on. Some people learn from, uh, you know, giving them like A, B, C, go left, go right, do this, do that, mechanic, meth, whatever. I, my English is not that great. But, you know, everyone has different ways of learning. And that's where your godparents come in because they have to see that and they have to sh- go where you are so you can learn and grasp the information. Exactly. You know, I was always hands-on. It's like, you know, I worked with my godmother, my madrina, in her botanica for like 12, 15 years. And it was always hands-on. Every day I had off for my normal job, I was there. Open to close, I was there. You know, helping her with putting together the baths, the products, you know. Everything I learned, she made me do. There you go. You know, and it's better. I bet you will remember it. Remember I do. You could do it with your eyes closed. Uh, yes, because I can smell. <laughs> and a lot of it was sense, too. You know, it's like, I know what this is supposed to smell like. And I draw upon, you know, oh, wait a minute, something's missing. Oh, yes, I remember what it was because, you know, it's you the go. scent. And there you go. We never talked. <laughs> no. We would talk about other things. You better you you suit up, boot up, and let's go to work. And that's what we did. And we would talk about a lot of other stuff. Yes. But when it came to doing the actual work and the preparations, or the spiritual work, or the candles, or you know whatever it was, there was always silence. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love. I had the the pleasure and the honor. Of working in the kitchen, being a you know coming in that role of an petty B and working with the Babalows, oh man! But you do, you gotta pay attention, you gotta listen, be on point, clean. Like you, you're doing so many things. I want, but it's so beautiful. I love it. I love being a petty B. I love it. I love it. I love it. Some people be like, oh, they the slaves. They not the slaves. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I I love working anything spiritual. I don't have a problem cleaning the bathroom, cleaning the kitchen, plucking chickens. I don't care what it is. I'm going to do it. Show me what I need to do and let me rock and roll. I I don't have a problem with it. I love it because you're giving birth or you're helping someone to move to that next level. So I would love to be a part of it. So, yeah, I love it. I love it each and every time. I loved it. And, you know, I was my godmother's, like, right-hand person. Mm -hmm. And even when she did ceremonies and there was a mess... I'm the first person, right on, right on the ground, right on my knees. Let me get this cleaned up. Let me pull all this. And no, it's a lot of us. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that. It's a lot of us. But we all chip in. We all. We all do what needs to be done. You know. And and she's the mom. You know. She's crowned Yamaya. Yamaya all day. My my other godmother is crowned Oshun. My godfather and Ifa. He's a Babalao. But before he became a Babalao, he's crowned Shango, Cabo Sile. So I, I give them respect. My god sisters, god brothers, we all, when it comes down, we walk in my godmother's house, you're one body and you move as such. And I love it. I do. I love it. I'm grateful. You know, I always thought it was a blessing to do a lot of that cleanup. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be a part of it. You know, I'm cleaning up, you know, the, the feathers, the blood, you know, the, the flower petals, you know, you name it. It's on the floor. It's on the ground. I'm just mopping it all up and never a complaint. Uh, we had a couple people in the house that, you know, oh, why do I got to do that? 
I was like, mm-hmm. well, if you got to ask, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Because, you know, it is a blessing. I mean, these are all beautiful traditions. And, you know, being a part of any ritual or service, cleansing, a misa, or anything else, I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. And if you're not giving of yourself from your heart, what are you going to get, you know, spirit-wise, you know? Spirit's going to look at your heart. They're going to know exactly why you're there, what you're doing. You know, they know where your heart is. And if it's true, you know, Spirit elevates you and blesses you anyway. Listen, I, I and my sister is on there, Amber Jean. When you follow your spirit and you, you take care of your spirit, your spirits will take care of you. That is fact. And Ambazine wasn't even there. So Ababa came by, crowned 33 years. Obatala, Ekuwa Baba. And he said something. And I said, no, that's Ambazine. You know? And she wasn't even there. And it was so amazing to know that your heart, your character speaks for you when you're not around. Oh, my gosh. I See, I love people on how they are in front of my face, but I love them more when they're better behind my back. That's where the true character and loyalty lies. I just thought I'd throw that in there because, I, you know, just when you said a good heart and all of that, I had to share, oh, wow. The spirit does. I mean, we all know that there are people that get into traditions for one reason or another, whether it is spirit pushing them and guiding them to it or whether it is something that they just want or they're looking for the fame or the title but when you're doing it from your heart it makes absolutely no difference you know I um yeah everyone comes through spirituality so this is my story and I'm I can finally share it they diagnosed me with cancer I didn't want to die that's all. That's all I thought about. I didn't want to die. I got diagnosed when I was in Atlanta, and it was 20, 2007. I had surgery after surgery. I came to New York. They was giving me all these surgeries. I had long locks. They would come out by patches, and my niece and all of them were scared. And I told my brother, I said, I can't die here in New York, so I left. I left and went back to Atlanta and changed my life and all of that, but it still wasn't enough. So, you know, you get into denial and everything. So I started finding the path of the Orisha, right? And um, I met this guy named Angel, and, you know, he took me to all these, you know, people and stuff, and I'm grateful because of him I met the people that I'm with now. That's the only thing I'm ever grateful for of him. Um, And when I was receiving Kofa, I didn't tell anyone. You know, I was going for surgery and stuff. And I'll never forget, she wasn't my Madrina then. She said, I hate that if you have to get crowned to save your life, I'll be mad. Not knowing that that's what was happening. So when I received Kofa, my godfather and my Jabona, my other godfather and Ifa, he sat there. I had five Babalows that did my ceremony. Three was, two was outside, three was in the room with me. He said, call them all in. They walked in. He said, listen. They told you you had cancer. I said, yeah. He said, Oshun will save your life. Mephia Fun Oshun. And they did a whole ceremony for me. 
when I was sitting under the thono, everybody was talking about what they wanted to take away, what they wanted to do. I had one prayer in my head. Let me live to see my grandkids finish college. Let me live to see this day. Don't crown me and let me die. Because then the only one that's going to look crazy is y'all. That was the only prayer I said in my head. I didn't share it with nobody. When I sat on that mat on Monday to get my Itai, Allegra was the first one that said, I will heal you of everything that is sickening to you. Oshun said, I will take care of everything. You will not be sick. When the third month of me being a Yahweh, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, scratching her head. She said, they say you got cancer, but I don't see none. I was so happy. I called my godmother. I said, hold on, listen. And the doctor told her that. And from then on, no one on this planet can tell me that the Risha is not real. But also, we all have our own way of getting there. That's mine. And you can sign it, seal it, deliver it. They can save 50 million people. But I know everyone that walked with me knew my story. And that was their thing. I had got seven surgeries in less than two years. Beautiful story. You know, I mean, we do all come to, you know, whatever spiritual walk of life you know, in our own time, you know, but it also comes from the heart. You also wanted to see your family. You wanted to see your kids grow up. You wanted to live, you know, a beautiful life. Spirit looks at that. They look at your heart, you know. I'm moved every single time I hear, you know, stories of the Orisha. Every time I hear, actually, whether it's the Orisha, the Loa, <laughs> any spiritual tradition, when I hear stories like that, it moves my heart, you know, because... I, mean, I, saw, my, I saw my godfather on Sunday. They had a crown in Shango Cabo Sile, and I, I had to tell him, and he said, no, now, he said, because now the tree is coming together. He said, share it. He said, don't give thanks to me. He said, me feel funa ruler. He said, but me feel funa shuna, me feel funa legwa. He was like, but now you share it. He said, now, because I, I, I wanted them to know first before I told anybody else. He and me, I would let it slip. But now you can hear my story. Because I knew I had surgeries after surgeries after surgeries. So, yes, Arisha saved my life. So when people go, oh, but I know someone, you can proudly say, which my name means a ruler choose me from birth. One birth, that's all they needed. Mm. The, and the diviner. So, y'all don't have to say, oh, well, I know someone. No, Ifa Bayo, she, she was dying. Because I sure was. I was getting surgery after surgery after surgery. You don't know how. In every place. My leg, my foot. I, I wanted to get a tattoo because it looks like a vine going up my foot. And we go to the Conjure Gala, I'll show y'all. But I wanted to get a tattoo, but since I'm the daughter of a goon, I can't get tattoos. So, I, whatever I got now, I'm stuck with. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. They took they, they they didn't take so much, but they took things that you know that I needed to go away: drinking, smoking, to save my life. I can't drive because I get visions, and if I'm behind the wheel, I have no control over my visions. So, me be dead, be a, a collision, the whole nine. So I don't drive, and I. I don't drink. I don't smoke. So, and it works for me. It works for me. Listen, and I can't miss nothing. And you don't eat meat. And, you know, it's like man, I can't wait till they tell me what I can't do. Oh, listen, <laughs> everything now. I am. I am. Everything. 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 I'm telling y'all, people do everything. Whatever it is, if you eat oranges, eat those shits till you die. Eat everything. 
But they didn't take they didn't take too much stuff away from me, but they took enough. You know, they took enough. But yeah, but they took but they took the things that weren't good for you. That's the thing, you know. I can't eat with a fork. So even if someone puts it on the plate, I'd be like, yo, take the whole shit. Uh, so all of y'all know, I cannot eat with a fork. And if y'all don't have forks, don't worry. I pack my own spoons. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I can't eat with a fork. But it works, it works for me. And as long as it does, and you're, you know, you're happy, you're healthy, you know, you're living a great life, you've got your grandkids, you know. I'm here. I'm here. Absolutely beautiful story. Do everything. Do everything, boo-boo. Do everything. Have fun. Do everything. Eat it all. Have fun. Drink. Be merry. Because you never know what's going to go. So do it all. Do it all. Do it all. Enjoy now. And De La said they took away eggs and bananas. Shit, my fabs. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we often don't think about, you know, the reasons why all the time when you receive your ita or you receive, you know, a book that tells you, hey, you know, these are things that you can't do. You know, but why? All the beautiful things you can do. Oh, yeah. You know, so everybody they do, they look at, oh, my God, it's, um, I, I can't do this. And I would say, well what, well, what can you do? Oh, I can do this? Girl, please, Cal. You good. You good. Right. You know, we focus on the, oh, my God, I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. Are you really going to miss it? <laughs> I did enough when I was young. So I, I now... Help me to stay here and have fun. I can enjoy the, the other stuff. You know, I didn't did all the crooked stuff. So, yeah, I might as well learn how to do the correct stuff, the right stuff, the legal stuff. So it works for me. It works for me. <laughs> and, and as long as it does, you know. Um, we're going to be wrapping up today. I wanted to okay. see if you wanted to say our final goodbyes to everybody, you know, for joining us in our chat room and listening to us live with Aoife Abeyo, who has been absolutely fabulous, and I've enjoyed having her on. And I know it's a little different than our normal shows, but, you know, I kind of really felt that uh, this was a, an incredible choice to have you on. Honey, thank you. And to everybody, Candelo, Emberzine, Motown Witch, everybody, everybody. And if I didn't say your name, charge it to my head and not my heart because y'all are all there. But I thank y'all all. It was an amazing thing. Thank you for just being a part of my life, the journey. Divination Table, I love y'all all. Oh, my God. Y'all are so amazing. Thank you having little old me, this little red dirt, barefoot. Special craziest cat shit girl on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> you know, and you are, you know, you're a beautiful person and a beautiful, you know, soul. And you know, I love you. You know, and you know, I'm going to be putting up your contact information on the divination table.com, you know, along with your little bio so that if anybody wants to reach out to you and get a hold of you for a reading or if they're in the area and they want to have, you know, cleansings or a bath, you know, they'll be able to reach out to you. Thank you. Oh, you are so beautiful. Thank you. I try. I, I give back to the communities that give back to me because, you know, Without them, I wouldn't be where I am. You know, I wouldn't be who I am. May Oshun bless you and sweeten your days every day. And may Ogun take care of your enemies and protect you. For the same knife that goes out and kills and destroys is the same knife that put food on the table. So may your table never be empty. 
Okay, Putin. I love that. I was waiting. You know, that's a. I was waiting the whole show for you just to call me Putin. <laughs> Because you say it all the time when we talk. <laughs> and I was like, man, go on the whole show and she hasn't really said it. <laughs> well, I want to thank everybody for joining us live on the Divination Table radio show and all of our wonderful and great audiences and the people that joined us in chat. May you have a beautiful week, a beautiful day, and we will see you next week on the Divination Table. <laughs>